they have to put up billboards. It's not donkey blood. It's yeah. just tomato juice. Welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. Uh, a bit of housekeeping before we get started. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing a mailbag here in a couple weeks, so be sure to get your questions in. Last comments. chance. It's the last chance. Yep. You can send those to mailbag at opentotruth.com. And also, we write about ideas, too, not just listening. You can read them mm-hmm. directly to your inbox. It's free. Uh, just join our mailing list. That would be probably, if you would like to find a way to support us, that's probably the best. That's probably the best way. Just join the ecosystem. As of now. Yep. Join the conversation. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would find helpful and interesting, Clint and I are podcasters. We make a podcast. We listen to podcasts. But you probably listen to podcasts that we don't listen to. And maybe you come across like ideas or guests that you think we would have a good conversation with. If mm. you have guest suggestions, by all means, send those in because... You, we have been surprised by who you can get on the show just by reaching out right. and, and asking. So uh, if there's someone that you think, man, I'd love to see how Clint and Tony interact with this idea or this person, yeah, let us know. No, that's really good. All right. So what are we talking about today? Today, I'd like to talk about freedom of speech. Okay. And I've just felt like this one has been burgeoning. I think about it fairly regularly. Uh, yep. I feel like I see uh, a, an attack on it by mm-hmm. different sectors of the culture, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like freedom of speech and and looking for a, an avenue where it can be exercised truly freely is part of what led to this podcast, at least for me. It's like, I've got a bunch of ideas swirling around in my head. There's a lot of people who don't want to hear about them <laughs> or who I wouldn't want to talk to about them. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to have a place where I can speak freely about whether it's doubts, concerns in the theological realm. Um, But even more broadly than that, I have found, and I think you found too, that dialogue is like one of the most helpful ways to get at truth without conversation, without dialogue and the ability to Mm -hmm. express ideas and bounce them off each other. We'd all be adrift in our own echo chambers. So, okay, good. That's a really good thought. But I think it, how do I want to put it? Even in my own thinking, I have to be careful to separate, just for the astute listener, there's like the legal topic of when are you, when are you or when are you not allowed to express yourself? Mm-hmm. And then there's freedom of speech as like a cultural value um, that we would be the kind of country or people that would be have a bit more poise mm. or be open to hearing a range of views. And that's... Di- to me, that's a little bit different from like the legal mandate. Maybe it influences mm-hmm. what becomes legal by, you know, people that make those laws and judgments eventually rise up and make them and are a product of the culture in some way. But what what you described there is like the what propelled this podcast is more like maybe a more localized concern of freedom oh, sure. of speech, like, or maybe um, the speech that you would like to entertain would be unwise yeah. in some of the social circles you are a part of. Yep. And so you're creating a new social circle to where you can do it. Yeah. And still all the while expressing that same freedom of speech granted to you by our current country's first amendment, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so I would just want to like delineate between those two topics. Yeah, sure. And it can be easy to jump between them and falsely 
say that there's like a restriction on free speech when there's really not a legal one. Mm -hmm. There's more of like a cultural one or a social one. one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good to distinguish that. Mm -hmm. Which of those two do you want to dive in first? Well, might be guilty of jumping between them, but if we can note when we do that, that I guess that would be helpful. The legal version, when when I think of the freedom of speech, it's in the context of a discussion of liberty. And liberty, fundamentally to me, is the lack of coercion by a governing body. Yeah. Okay. And so to... And so the freedom or the liberty of speech in that context is to what extent will a governing body uh, protect my speech from prosecution mm-hmm. or otherwise? And just to be clear, if we're talking about America, mm-hmm. we're talking about the rights protected in the First Amendment, the rights to an assembly, right to free speech. Let me read it for you. Please. I- Oh, I'm kind of channeling my inner immigration studying that oh, I've great. done. So you I'm, trying get... to, I'm trying to remember what all is protected in the first one. Yeah, please. It's, it's free speech, assembly. Don't know. Okay. That's not bearing arms, right? Bearing arms That's is the second. second one. Yep. Yeah. Won't get into that one today. It doesn't go right along with free speech. And, yeah, okay. Uh, what am I missing? So I wrote it down for us. Here is the First Amendment of the Constitution. Yeah. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Mm. I forgot about press, freedom Mm -hmm. of the press. So we're only really like when we say like there's an attack on the first amendment or something that can mean a lot of different things. A lot of different things. I'm just interested in this uh, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Abridging meaning curtailing mm-hmm. or limiting, I guess. So the question becomes, what all is included there in free speech? What exactly is protected mm-hmm. there? You, we can ask, I mean, it's a huge topic. Right? You could take multiple undergraduate, graduate courses on this amendment mm-hmm. and, and the different legal cases involved. I don't know enough about all the legal cases. I don't want to get bogged down with that. I'd love to keep it more at a philosophical level, just kind of trying to suss out what we think would be some mm-hmm. a good posture to have about it. There's a whole debate about what even counts as speech. Yeah. I mean, that's not super obvious. I mean, you might, the obvious one is like, I'm what I'm doing now, I'm Mouth saying noises. words. Uh, things like pornography get brought up quite a bit in free speech debates, oh. uh, art. Interesting. It's a form of speech. Yeah. I, I also probably want to table some of those and right. just focus on verbal expression. Sure. <clears throat> so we've talked about this in a number of other podcasts, I think. Uh, maybe it's back from season one, zero. Season zero. has been canceled <laughs> yeah. by us for, not, for quality control. Cancel culture, yeah. But it's a discussion of just the nature of liberty and its value. So the quick spiel I give is... We can, you might want to know, like, is my liberty, my freedom of speech inherently good or instrumentally good? That is, is it good in and of itself or is it purely good because it lets me, grants me access to something else? Leads to some good, yeah. So the argument I would give is, well, it's instrumentally valuable. And here's the thought thought experiment Mm. to help you come to that conclusion is, well, we can imagine a world, like, if something was inherently good, wouldn't it 
it wouldn't really make sense to ever want to limit it. If it really was a good thing, it's inherently good, just like happiness or blessedness or joy. Do you want to make a cutoff point for that? Yeah. Like, so we so it's reasonable to imagine like okay a world with total liberty, meaning there is no coercion from a governing body. And that's a Walking Dead world. That's the Walking Dead world. Yeah. That's so that's a world you do not want to live in, where all sorts of actions are every action allowed with impunity. Yeah. Uh, if that is whoever happens to have enough power or stopping power at the time can curtail action, but not some agreed upon yep. legislative or executive body to do that. So we don't want that. Mm-hmm. That makes me think absolute or total liberty is not good. But I also don't want zero liberty, which is like the to- the totalitarian authoritarian state where every moment of your life is scripted. Mm-hmm. We can think of the worst kind of imagery we get out of North Korea or something. Um, mm-hmm. You need to... Uh, praise the dear leader every every hour, yeah, and, and work in a sweatshop eat. and whatever else. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, that that screams. Oh, what we're talking about is something that's instrumentally valuable. We limit it and we try to get it the right amount to produce something else. What's that something else? Probably an intrinsic good, like mm. well-being, happiness, blessedness, joy. And, and blessedness, <laughs> dude. That's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We should strive for blessedness. Yeah. yeah, and and so I I limit the liberty of everyone to still make what remains valuable enough to at least increase our odds of getting this other good. Is mm-hmm. that, do you vibe with that? I or? do vibe with it. I where I'm having trouble is, and maybe this is silly, but when I think carefully about like I'm with you that like. Total liberty, walking dead world, not great. When I think about speech, though, and just what that is, mm-hmm. like mouth noise, I'm blowing air through my meat pipes, making mouth noises that have intent behind them. Like it's, I'm trying to convey mm-hmm. mental states and, and points of view. Um, it does. My intuition says there is something intrinsically good about being able to do whatever I want with my mouth noises no, and and just zero consequence li- or li- limits limits yeah see because we're because we're not saying there's no consequences right i want to uh, maybe i, I, I want to kind of saying that when i say liberty that's that's why i started with that definition of it's uh coercion by a governing by body a governing and coercive body. means i'm in pl- i'm placing some kind of threat or ill consequence on an action so, mm-hmm. like, I'm coerced into driving a certain way by the government. Namely, don't go so fast in this area on pain of ticket, mm-hmm. financial repercussion. Yeah. So, for speech, who, who knows what that could, a fine or maybe jail, that's all legal. I guess that's where, maybe that's just where I'm hesitant is I could see how this goes wrong. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. where the government, there's overreach and... Um, I would want to lean on the side of more free speech and less okay. sure. coerced speech. I think it's a slippery slope that concerns me. Interesting. Just because, Say more about well, slippery slope. Just because I think that speech has natural social consequences that might not need government intervention. Like if I'm, if I'm running my mouth and saying offensive stuff constantly 
um, there's going to be social consequences to that that I experience. Just as a result, people won't want to be around me. I, mm-hmm. They will, they will isolate themselves from me or whatever. That I don't need government to intervene. And he's saying the wrong things, so everyone avoid him or hit him with a fine or something. Um, so I just wonder at what point does government need to step in and say, actually, this speech, we're going to fine you for that because like libel and slander, those are things. Okay, great. You know, so it's, we'll work that into your view. Yeah, well, I, maybe I'm foggy exactly on what qualifies as libel yeah. and slander. If I get on Twitter and I call Elon Musk a dickhead or something, nobody's going to sue me over that. Sure, sure. So I'm thinking, um, yeah, and I, again, I want to be careful not to get tiptoe too much in the legality just because it's out of my yeah. depth. But um, maybe putting up billboards all over town, um, Panera oh. spikes their soup with donkey blood okay you know and yeah and i'm rich enough to where i feel like doing that with my disposable income and you can just get the message out and hurt their business and and perhaps i have a conflict of interest and i own the local bakery Mm -hmm. um it's clearly false it's demonstrably false and i reckon that that is not protected speech Mm. that meaning uh the government could coerce you into ceasing that uh through prosecution either by the state or by the individ or the owners of Panera mm-hmm. could sue you and not just have the case tossed out due to a, a protection of freedom of speech. Right. It would okay. at least be examined. So so to me, like that eliminates total liberty of speech. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we have to curtail it somewhat. Now what you're getting at, I totally get, and that's like the um the intellectual like there's some baseline worthiness of consideration that at that point everything is fair game. Yeah. But that's kind of what's in question is what is that threshold? Yeah. Because that's that's also intellectual content. There's an idea. Panera spikes there's well and I and I, <laughs> I need to be careful of libel here as well. <laughs> as far as we know, they don't spike their soup with donkey I go blood. there every day for coffee, so I support their business. I don't however get the soup. <laughs> Can't speak to the donkey blood. Uh like there's some intellectual content to that. So just because you're making a claim doesn't automatically protect it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other clear, well, I guess it's up for debate, but other traditional limits on speech would be uh, if what if your speech is a clear and present danger to others. Okay. So so so, and in fact, just if I could say this, all of these I'm about to mention are predicated on the harm principle. John Stuart Mill wrote this piece on liberty and talking about how, um, yeah, basically all speech should be protected lest it cause harm to someone else. And that has produced a host of hand-wringing about what... Sorry, say that again. All speech should be protected lest it cause harm to somebody? Mm -hmm. By protected, you mean... Uh, invulnerable from prosecution and suing because suing would cause harm no 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 maybe i got mixed up that we should be allowed to say whatever yep without being sued or prosecuted again now your social cost yeah is all still fair game that's gonna happen yeah that's not having to do with liberty and and how we've defined it yeah we're just talking about government Mm -hmm. you can say or do whatever unless it causes harm to someone else. Oh, unless it causes harm. And now there's been a huge 
literature devoted to understanding what harm is mm. and the threshold of how much harm or well yeah because i guess the question that is in our culture today is like does someone's being offended by what you say count as harm absolutely man have you harmed that him? is the flashpoint yeah now uh joel feinberg if i'm getting that name right i think it is uh, said in his, he has a tripartite series that's really good um, on the nature of harm. And he describes it as uh, a genuine setback of life interests. And so, who like, that? who is that? Joel Feinberg. Joel Feinberg. I think. Okay. I'm going to be ashamed if that's wrong. That's okay. I know that for sure it's Feinberg. <laughs> I might have made up the first name. <laughs> okay. A genuine setback of life interests. Interests. And there's a whole book devoted to teasing out what counts as that. Oh, but, of course, yeah. Uh, so in the Panera case, like the owners of Panera, man, to slander them in that way on a genuine demonstrable falsehood will ruin their business mm. unfairly, and that causes a real harm, and that kind of speech should not be protected. Again, because – and this is, I think this is really crucial. Mm. And because we've said liberty is not an intrinsic good – this, this opens the door for saying like, hey, we need to pit this value against another value mm -hmm. of social and individual well-being. And so I get that you want, like, wouldn't it be nice if I could just say whatever I wanted to say? Yeah, but look what you're doing causes immense harm totally unnecessarily to this person. You're really setting back their life interests. Mm -hmm. I imagine it gets dicey, just again in the Panera example, that's not that's not so different than what's sometimes I see during like voting cycles where political ads are like slamming the other party and maybe it's not as overtly false as donkey blood and soup. Yeah. Maybe it is truths that they're laying out, but that must be a fine line they have to walk when they're building those ads, right? That they don't get dinged for slander or yeah. libel. Well, um, so... Or no, am I completely wrong? I don't know, man. It's interesting. I, again, this is now, I feel like it's a bit of a legal question, which right. I've, again, out of my depth. We're not lawyers. You don't think that's a similar... Here, here's the comeback for John, John Stuart Mill and mm. probably my own as well, mm. would be the best way to fight bad speech is with good speech. That's the best way to undermine a bad idea. I do fundamentally agree with that. Uh, so like, I could see someone arguing like, hey, Panera, fight this idea. But then the thing is, like, what sucks is that that's imposed, like, this weird artificial cost oh, yeah. on them. Now they have to put up billboards. It's not donkey blood. It's yeah. just tomato juice. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, and so that's why we have libel or slander. The clear and present danger example, back to, like, the mm -hmm. list of what are some typical limitations, would be, like, the inciting of a riot. Which came up in January, right? So, um, right. Isn't that what well, they were accusing Trump of? It was like he should, weren't they trying to get him for his speech was going to move this crowd to violence or something? They, and that, that was like the big debate. That was an accusation, yeah, I but it was quickly thrown I don't out. think it went through, yeah. Right, right. But I remember it being talked about. Um, and this has to do, as far as I'm aware, like the legality of it, very much uh, proximity matters, um, the current atmosphere of it. So, for instance, um, if you wrote on your Facebook wall, I think this is true, um, let's all go at 10 a.m. tomorrow and break the windows of Panera. Sorry, Panera. 
<laughs> Let's change it up. Break the windows of Hobby Lobby yeah. because there's a sex trafficking ring in the back room. Mm. That's different from there's 100 people in the parking lot of Hobby Lobby. And I have a megaphone. Like, yeah, and people windows. have rocks in their hands. Yeah. And then you shout that and it happens. Yeah. That's all. That's different. So I, I think the former would be protected. You just blasting out Some onto dude. social media. I mean, dude, people have to be blasting off on social media 24 <laughs> versus 7. Versus that proximal, very <clears throat> realistic, th- uh, clear and present danger. I wonder then, my head goes back to last summer and the various riots we saw and the calls for action over Twitter. Whether anybody got done for inciting violence on Twitter last summer. Mm. I didn't hear about it happening. I don't. But, I would reckon not. Yeah. I don't think it would uh, Wouldn't count. qualify. Wouldn't count. The guy on the street. Different story. Yes. That's interesting. Uh, this is related, but like a credible threat. So imagine you are at the gas station and someone comes up to you and says, Hey, mate, um, before you get in your car, I'm going to walk over to mine, grab my gun, and blow your brains out. <laughs> now that is like, that's him making meat noises with his mouth. He and, did call me mate. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but he did. He, maybe he said, "Oi, <laughs> oi, mate." Yeah, just to let you know, I'm about to kill you. Uh, and in that moment, you don't have any reason to think he's joking around. Like that's pretty weird to do. Yeah, that is weird. And so imagine there was a cop nearby, and you go like, "Hey, he just said he this just to me. Threatened to kill me. Uh, the First Amendment, mate. I'm allowed to say <laughs> he whatever, say he, whatever want. he wants. <laughs> He'll face social consequences. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we want that. Yeah, I want to be able to not have that speech be protected. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, that's a genuine setback of my life interest to, of going about my day without life and limb being in serious threat. Without worrying about without my survival. Warrant. Yeah. Yeah. So, but okay. beyond that, man, like that a lot, if we, even if we place those limits on liberty in a, and I think those are justified, that allows quite a bit of content to be said. Oh yeah. I mean, that's still that a lot is, that's protected. That is not that stringent. No. Those are things that are causing like really severe harm to to folks. It's the, it, yeah, the interpretation of genuine life setback that, although you who was that the Joel Feinberg Feinberg, that's not that's just how he's defining it in a book he wrote. You said that's yeah. not legal. I want to know how it's defined legally. Well, like, that's the thing. These are um, or it's up we- for interpretation. It it's, is weird how law works. As far as I'm aware, it's um. This would be a case law situation. Mm. So you would look for precedent and how, how it's uh, been landmark handled. cases have handled it. Mm. Uh, so, for instance, if I'm recalling, uh, I'm not going to get any of the details. I'm not even going to attempt to say them, but just kind of tell the story. Yeah. I think in the UK, a street preacher in the, it might have been the 90s. Uh, had some folks with signs up that said, like, stop the homosexuals and stuff. Uh, and he was fined like $3,000, something like that. For causing harm? For, under the harm principle. The and harm this, principle. Like, this little legal mandate that was put forward. Boy, you would think Westboro Baptist Church would be up to their necks in litigation. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure about all the surrounding details of the thing I just mentioned. But yeah, I know I'm pretty sure Westboro has not been mm. slammed on this given... Oh, what what was the phrase? It's surprising, given how how offensive some of their yeah. banners are. I think uh, they the court proceeding it was recent. It was in the past ten years. Oh, said something like 
the members of the family you're referring to sorry for the listeners you're referring to when they protested the funeral of a soldier mm. who had died in iraq and i think iraq forgive me if i'm wrong maybe afghanistan yeah, i don't know but uh the whole it's kind of a windabout way of getting there they think that westboro thinks god is judging america for homosexuality mm-hmm. by getting them into wars and killing soldiers mm-hmm. that's god's judgment yeah and so they had signs like God loves dead soldiers. Yeah, that's and, right. And like wild stuff. Jeez, yeah, that's right. But apparently it was all like outside the walled bounds of this uh, grave site. And it was out on the street. Oh, and they're they're not like it would not be interfering with the. It's, it's not interfering the, interfering with the service. Apparently the noise of it was not enough to penetrate. Hmm. And so they weren't. It was protected. Yeah. And Interesting. These crazy people can just be out on the street doing their thing. Which. Fair enough. I mean, back to what I was saying earlier about slippery slope. I guess I I would want to be careful about what kinds of protests like that do get shut down just because I don't like what's on their signs. You know, mm-hmm. even though I do think that's incredibly cold and offensive. Um, the slippery slope thing. I mean, sometimes like in a little like logic textbooks, it's cited as a fallacy of reasoning, mm-hmm. a slippery slope argument, and the, yeah, yeah. the reason for that is. Uh, there's no like obvious sense, at least in this case, that you're ever not on the slope. It's like, yeah, you can't be. Our sled can't be up here in neutral. We're somewhere on the hill. Yeah, and it's tough to give like really good reasons for like this is the part in the hill where uh, there's um, a moment of no return or no going back. Maybe I'll say this. Maybe the slope isn't slippery, but it is a slope, and we are on it. Mm-hmm. And we might not just like magically slide into tyranny, but I don't know. The doors open for corrupt actors to head things that way. Or maybe like you're hanging from a rope above a pool of sharks that want to bite you. And <laughs> wouldn't it be nice to be higher up on the rope than lower? Yeah. And there's a point at which you start to get nibbled at by the shark and eventually killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, but yeah, the question is how long is the rope and when's that happening? Yeah. In, in this space. But you're not particularly concerned about the slipperiness of this slope. Like, have you been concerned about what you see? And maybe this is where we need to consciously move from legal to mm-hmm. culture or something. But like, what have you seen as far as in the social consciousness? How is free speech being seen? Uh, is this under threat? Is it under attack? Are we likely to see laws change? What's the vibe you have? Like, I, I don't know. I don't okay. know about the law changing part. Yeah. Um, I've found the Constitution relatively resilient. Mm. on this mark and i see free speech legally defended quite a bit mm. it's really this cultural area that is a little bit more disturbing i'm not totally sure what the fallout will ultimately be well and is it wrong to think about uh culture preceding laws i mean if we live in a democracy and it is the people who ultimately mm-hmm. elect the government and if the government does represent the interests of the people and the people are expressing interest in shutting down more free speech. Yeah. What's particularly troubling about this more than any of the other intellectual facets of the culture wars Mm -hmm. or the war of ideas is that this one is actually, (laughs) if, if a particular side wins, uh, it forever kind of wins the war of ideas in yeah, a way. This, this is like the meta war, right? right yeah. Like, yeah. 
Because for any ideas to be discussed freely, mm-hmm. this idea of free speech needs to be protected. So here's an example, man. Like you brought up earlier, hate speech. Mm. Uh, does that fall under protected speech? We can wonder about what exactly that means. But let's just say that it is you know, discrimination on the basis of race, sex, orientation, what have you. Mm-hmm. In a hateful, derogatory, demeaning, yeah, humiliating way. And the question is, should that be protected? That is, um, again, I just want to be super clear. So I, I worry that conservatives would immediately point out, like, look, liberal students are protesting a Ben Shapiro talk. And look, our free speech laws are jacked up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ben should be allowed to have his conference or whatever. But like I, I want people to be able to protest. Mm-hmm. And have that take place. It's just the question of like what ends up counting as hate speech. So for someone to say, uh, I think there are only two genders. Now, that might be offensive to someone who doesn't think that. Yeah. Like as a trans person or a trans ally. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, maybe that's not totally right. It would be some, uh, like a non-binary person. Because mm-hmm. a transgender person might still think there are only two genders. Right. They just like happen to be, be the other, other one. one or are the other one. That's right. Uh, so this, so saying there are only two genders might be offensive to non-binary people. And they don't, they don't uh, agree with and they don't like the content. To me, that does not... Uh, and it makes them feel bad to hear that other people disagree with them. Mm-hmm. That all seems true to me. Yeah. The question is, should we then disallow someone in our society from saying it i mean and i don't almost obviously not right just by the fact of like i read things online that i disagree with and can feel offended by like everyone does mm-hmm. that's true of everybody no matter what the topic when you're confronted with an opinion that's different than yours that's presented strongly or outlines yours to be wrong there is a little bit of a pang of emotional pain there that yeah. we all experience you know but it would be strange to demand that those contrary opinions be shut down or not broadcast because of how they make me feel when I receive them. Hmm. Because, well, but just, I think about any time I've probably said this on the podcast before, but any time I've learned, it's a little bit painful Yeah, because you're discovering that you're wrong about something. You're being presented with an idea that's new to you or that's different than what you previously thought. It's at odds with how you view yourself and the world. And maybe it is offensive at first, like we were even saying a few episodes ago, um, when when we were beginning some of our deconstruction journey, you would bring ideas to me that I disagreed with and found, yeah, I would have said offensive at the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you brought them to me and I'm glad that we could still talk it through and right. there wasn't anything to shut down your speech there. So the trouble, so I think the good faith uh, participants in the discussion, the broader like legal philosophical discussion will we'll say that uh, we do not want to protect free speech because it will cause harm to the social standing of various groups. And not so much uh, you need to be punished for thinking that bad thing. That is like... That's that's a bridge too far for most. Yeah. Uh, like, although we can get into this in a second maybe, but I think we see that happening, which is scary. Mm. That you need to be punished for your bad thought rather than just dialogued with. Yeah. Uh, but just keep it for a moment with the reasonable 
thing version. about hate speech and so I guess my retort to that would be yeah how would you handle that so the idea it, is it's causing harm to a group yeah like the social standing of um, people of color uh-huh. or like marginalized people yeah. will be diminished by certain kinds of hate speech yeah okay and I almost want to concede that point and say, yes, that could happen from some hate speech. But the, the to, to outlaw the speech is to not address the actual disease and rather just a symptom, which is a public person expressing that idea. The real problem is that there are people out there that apparently would be persuaded yeah. by these bad, by ideas. bad ideas. yeah. And that isn't changing if you just outlaw the speech. right? You think it will, like, hey, if we just button this up, then they're not going to hear about it, and slowly over time, they're... The hate will leave their hearts or something. I just don't see that as reasonable at all. Yeah, well, to your point that the best way to combat a bad idea or bad speech is with good speech. That's right. Hmm. So... And I think, uh, not that I'm, sh- I don't know if many like fiery progressives are actually listening, listening to this, to this show, <laughs> but for those out there that are like heavily protesting and smashing windows at Berkeley for when a Ben Shapiro type character speaks there, um, I just, I, I implore you to reconsider your tactics, your approach, uh, mm. even though I might disagree with your ideas, I would love to see you host them in a more civilized way that could actually, if your ideas really were better, that have a public forum. Use your Invite your strongest intellectual defender to combat those ideas publicly with a Ben Shapiro Mm. and let the court of public opinion uh, decide for themselves rather than disallowing the speech that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Because all that says to the opposite side is they don't actually have a leg to stand on intellectually mm-hmm. and are resorting to violence uh, or coercion through taking away protected speech. Right, right. And, okay, so what do you make of the argument, though? So a guy like a Joe Rogan, who runs a podcast, obviously probably the most powerful interviewer, Mm-hmm. well-known interviewer on the planet. And Amazing. on the one hand, he will give a platform to just about anybody. He'll have any just about anybody on the show, no matter how strange their ideas are. And he will engage them in conversation for three hours and let them ramble at length about all of their ideas. And I could see an argument being made for, okay, you got a loony on the show, but his ideas are going to speak for themselves. Everybody will see how mad he is. And maybe that's actually the best way to discredit him is let him spout off his opinions, right? Yes. But what's what he's Joe has been met with is like, why are you giving that guy a platform? He's spreading misinformation and you're actually doing harm by allowing these ideas to be heard as publicly and as freely as they are. So there's like two sides to this. On the one hand, letting this bad idea be known is the best way to show it to be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, letting the bad idea be known is broadcasting a bad idea. Do you know what I'm getting so, at? But I want to know more about like the downstream, like, so why is it causing harm? Tell me that story of how the belief caught, how the speech causes harm. I guess I'd have to think of a specific example of one of the lunatics he's had on, and I don't 
I haven't listened to him enough to know. I just know he's been embroiled in controversy about giving people a platform. So here, here's something. Here's a possible story. Yeah, can we imagine so, a so story? So a recent issue has, I mean, the top issue for the Rogan podcast right now is the vaccine whole, stuff, the whole vaccine thing. Yeah, and you have uh, people like Brett and oh, what's his wife's name? Shoot, Brett Weinstein mm-hmm. uh, promulgating the drug ivermectin as this alternative Mm -hmm. to the typical vaccine. So Joe's had Brett and some other people come on that have expressed those ideas. Mm -hmm. Now the, the worry is look, people will hear that Mm -hmm. speech, that uh, information and run with it and make uh, not as ideal decisions. We would like them to get the vaccine, but they're not. And by them not doing it are going to promulgate or propagate the, Delta or whatever variant comes along. Is that the basic idea? I think so. And we don't want that. That's the worry of the harm. Because people are dying. Right. And so... The well, h- harm would befall those people. Yeah. And we can wonder like, okay, so what? Yeah. And that's what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you saying that we should... You're saying who cares about the harm? No, no, no. Um, so that's all... Ha- that. Uh, let's just say that that's what yeah. is actually happening. Yeah. Uh, what do we do about it? So... My, the the free speech proponent would say, "Oh yeah, absolutely, man! Like that kind of thing is going to happen all the time when human beings are talking and mm-hmm. sharing intellectual ideas. What you need to do is there are there are plenty of other platforms where you can have experts come on, and that it's not like Joe has a monopoly on content distribution. Oh uh, right. In fact, I would wager that, like in my own social circle." Uh, I don't know if hardly anyone at our workplace, like the people that attend, know or listen to listen Joe to Rogan, Joe, right? Yeah, and yet might be the kind of <laughs> folks that would be interested in that content. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, they're getting information from other sources. Like Joe has a monopoly. That there's already uh, laws about antitrust, mm-hmm. and that might cover that concern about Joe being too powerful. Uh, Sorry, what do you mean by there by antitrust? Just that he would have, a, like, we need to break up monopolies. Oh. Like, if 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 really everyone was getting their news from yeah. all and only Joe Rogan. <clears throat> then that would be a different story. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I would suggest, hey, if you think the opposite, then have people on that think differently and combat those ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, so why isn't that working or good enough? Well, one, the free speech proponent might say look um you guys have really done yourselves a disservice let's say the cnn's the msnbc's of the world Mm -hmm. you've lost your credibility in the past by you have mishandled your freedom of speech privileges or Mm -hmm. your freedom of the press and actually you've been much more of a curator than you should have been Mm -hmm. um you've caused distrust and people trust joe for whatever reason Mm-hmm. And so they're going to him from information. Like you have brought this upon yourself mm. through your poor usage of speech. <clears throat> yeah. I, I might argue. So yeah, yeah. So uh, as as someone, um, I'm assuming that that story is right. That the misinformation about ivermectin is leading to harm. Uh, on their own view, I would almost argue like you guys are responsible for that. Hmm. You have driven away audience away from the press to alternative media who are now 
being led down this rabbit hole. Mm. So do better. Fight that bad speech with good speech. It's going to take a long time to regain your trust. Yeah. But as people start to uh, sniff out that you aren't uh, ideologically driven mm. on other topics, let's say, then maybe they will trust. That would be. I think that's the free speech answer to that. Mm. And and so the free speech proponent can actually say, uh, yeah, it, it very well may be causing harm, mm-hmm. but not. Um, but that's not necessarily a reason to just cancel. Yeah. Yeah. What would there ever be a valid reason to cancel? Can't cancel who and what? Yeah. Okay. I guess a podcast, a YouTube channel. Uh, hmm. um, I'm just thinking because there's a situation where you can say, "Yeah, it's leading to harm, but we shouldn't cancel. Shouldn't shut it down. Should just combat with free speech." So is um, there I'm are cases like so? For instance, like YouTube, mm. um, and in fact, any kind of content distributor is disbarred from allowing child pornography. Oh, sure. Um, uh, YouTube is not inherently not allowed to produce adult pornography. They've mm-hmm. chosen that as a company, whereas mm-hmm. Pornhub has not. Right. Right. So websites can do that. But everyone is not allowed to do child pornography because that kind of speech is mm-hmm. exploitative. Speech. Yeah. Um, and yeah, harmful to participants and likely to the broader public. Mm-hmm. So that is a case actually where it prevents harm to the social standing of certain groups. We mm-hmm. don't want to sexualize children. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you? Um, but 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 be, but just to finish your question. Mm-hmm. But beyond certain things like that, I would say no. Like we don't. We shouldn't banish that kind of speech unless it's libelous. But any, uh, I don't see podcasting rising to the occasion of clear and present danger or credible threats. Yeah. Just because of the proximity issue, it's so far removed. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's not a whole crowd of people. I mean, um, oh, interestingly, man, maybe some of this stuff about, um, like, I'm I'm super interested in how like shorting of different cryptocurrencies and Discord and all of that might play into it. Oh, and, sure. Uh, and people putting in chats. Yeah. Uh, to okay, buying it by now and pump mani- and dumps and yeah, manipulation. manipulation. That's super interesting to me as a a case study of credible threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if the company could catch wind of mm-hmm. folks in those channels saying that kind of thing, yeah, uh, that might be a digital version of the Hobby Lobby stone throwing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Remains to be seen, but... Do, now you, I think some of our listeners will know this, but maybe not all, you have a background in academia. Mm. How, when, what was your experience with free speech in the academic realm? Did you find that you were having to censor yourself or was there ever con- compelled speech? What, yeah. So what's your take in uh, that this is where arena? we shift away from like the legality. Uh, at no point did I feel like my cons- my first amendment right was violated mm-hmm. or threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, again, by, cause of the coercion of the government, like I'm not going to go to jail mm-hmm. or get a ticket for something I say, but did- I was finding that I would, my social standing within the university or even my job was at stake. Didn't you get accused of promoting rape culture or something? No. 
Wasn't there... I don't think so. Well, we can cut this out of the podcast if that's going to really hurt your reputation. But wasn't there one of your students who didn't like one of the questions in the exam or something about a boyfriend and said that it promotes rape culture and complained, went above your head to complain to somebody? Did I just dream that? Oh. It was absurd. I remember you telling me what it, was, it had nothing to do with rape culture. Oh, you're right. It was dude. like some philosophical example you give where they're trying to identify modus ponens or whatever. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And it, it had to do with a boyfriend. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, we can leave this in. So okay. <laughs> uh, it was, a, yeah, it was on a logic test. Mm. It was in the first couple weeks on informal logic. I was using the logic text by Hurley. At the time, okay. I want to say the 2009 version has some stones on the front. Okay. Wanna... He knows the one. Yeah. And there's an example in there. Man, I'm forgetting the actual f- informal fallacy. Oh, man. Anyway, the example involved like uh, a male and female professor were having like sexual rendezvous mm. in one of the parts of the department. Okay. Or something. Um, I'd have to look up what case, uh, like what example was being used in, but that was uh, a formal complaint was filed to yeah. the graduate school that I propagated rape culture by the use of this example. That's fascinating. That's like, oh my gosh, dude, this is in, you know, like one of the main logic textbooks. textbooks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's fascinating. So again, like that's, I think that's clearly, clearly not a case where my first amendment right to freedom of speech. And in this case, as a instructor, was threatened. Like, I wasn't going to go to jail for such a thing. Yeah. Um, but I suppose that, like, I did not end up being found guilty of that. That, was, mm-hmm. that case was tossed out. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, if it had gone the other way, mm-hmm. I might have had my job threatened or maybe I'd be put on probation or like disbarred from using that text. And so Wild. my speech as an instructor would be curtailed. Limited. Yeah. Uh, there were a few instances of like we would have these diversity training things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was starting to become a little bit more apparent to like ask students their preferred pronouns. Oh, At sure. one point, I was told by a person in a seminar, before you interact with a student, ask them their preferred pronouns. That's the first thing you ask anybody. Yeah. So that felt like it was tiptoeing toward compelled speech. Mm. Uh, it wasn't like say this exact thing, but like, hey, engage in this practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, that feels really clunky and unnatural. Mm -hmm. And I think there's another, there's other ways to navigate that social dynamic, Mm -hmm. Uh, self-selection, like self-identification. Right. uh, Or I can just not use pronouns at all and just use names, which I'm, I'm prone to do anyway. (laughs) Right. right. Hello, Tony. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Okay. Yeah. But in any case, I was, I was, yeah, there's been a feeling like that across campuses in the U S mm-hmm. that, um, certain speech should not be allowed on the basis of its content rather than battled by good speech. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's lamentable. I have this quote from, and from 1957, uh, there is this, uh, a, I think it was a speaker at a university, like a, a guest speaker, refused to answer a question regarding whether he was propagating leftist ideas. He said, I do not want to answer that. I think that's what this was. Oh. Um, And it was brought, a case was brought, and eventually, I guess it got to the Supreme Court. So Chief Justice Earl Warren, in his summary statement, said this. 
the essentiality of freedom in the community of American universities is almost self-evident. Scholarship cannot flourish in an atmosphere of suspicion and distrust. Teachers and students must always remain free to inquire, to study, and to evaluate, to gain new maturity and understanding. Otherwise, civilization will stagnate and die. Uh, So that professor was uh, not required to... His speech was protected. Mm. I do not have to comply with your demand to speak in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I like that statement that I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Earl Warren. Yeah. That that should be the spirit of the university. um, And that's what university should be for maybe more so than any other area of society. Yeah, man. This is the place where uh, explicitly it should not be a safe place intellectually no it should be the the, it, the place where ideas are exchanged and explored mm-hmm. even ones that you find deeply offensive yeah and then your job as just an individual is to sort that out in your own mind and assess the arguments on their merits mm-hmm. and then publicly if you wish to form a coalition to fight that idea more broadly then by all means mm-hmm. there are student like this is the the ethos of the university like the uh, college Republicans get together and they have their little guy come in and say his thing and it's open to the whole university mm-hmm. and you can protest outside that you don't like the ideas. Okay, yep. that's all fair game. Yeah. But when you say, oh, that person shouldn't be allowed to speak at the campus or get disinvited, that's Different an story. issue. Uh, I forget which university, but like the radio host Dennis Prager uh, and comedian Adam Carolla were slated to give a lecture at a local mm. California university, were disinvited by the administration. They appealed, citing free speech laws, and then were reinvited back. Really? Kind of interesting. But that's kind of creepy to see administrations get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, it's strange because now the legal... Um, I don't know about the legal stuff with all of that, but there's something there with uh, the difference between a private and public university. Yep. Uh, a public university now, when they're placing those sanctions, feels like it is kind of representing the state in some way. And now liberty does seem like it matters more. A private institution, that's where the this, that's where this stuff gets really tricky. Mm. Uh, maybe we can kind of wrap up here with this final little topic on the state of just tech and these platform, social media platforms and what's allowed there. Because at one level, those are um, privately owned. I mean, now they're publicly traded, but it's not like a state-sponsored. Right, they're businesses. They're businesses. But they are similar to a town square or a public space mm-hmm. for communication. Something like the Twitterverse is essentially a big open space where everyone can shout and you can choose who you want to listen to. Right. But that whole space is privately owned by a business. So what kind of rights are protected on a platform like Twitter mm-hmm. or Facebook? And there now and I can't even get into the legality of it really, but just oh, to yeah. say a, a few words would be there has been some talk about common carriage laws uh of the sorts that protect um speech or uh, users of like the phone companies, mm. internet companies, uh, that like Armstrong Internet, our local internet, cannot 
by dint of what you happen to do with their internet, disbar you from using their services. Oh, right. I think that's the case, unless it violates these other yeah. um, deals having to do with like child pornography yeah, I don't, or something. Yeah, I don't know where the limits are there. Uh, telephone, util- like it's a utility. Yeah. Uh, like I'm allowed, by virtue of living here, I can get gas and electric and mm-hmm. telephone. So is that the case with social media companies at this point are they akin Utilities. to those kind of things that have this common carriage mm. i mean anyone i think most of the thing face facebook used to be you had to have a college.edu email address to sign up but oh. not anymore i didn't know that was the case mm-hmm. yeah uh, so now anyone with an email address yeah uh, maybe even less than that can sign up maybe just a username i'm not sure how yeah, I don't know. what the login stuff is for that now and so should your speech on there be restricted? Yes, by the same way as it normally is. Yeah. But now it seems like we're seeing more like, okay, certain posts are being flagged. Like, hey, check this resource. Misinformation and yeah. that sort of thing. And is that Facebook's prerogative? And what does that mean for the nature of its business? Is it a platform where genuinely anyone can come on? Or is it more of a publisher? And that's where mm-hmm. the big debate is because... It is not the case, um, or, or rather, would these companies be held liable for things that are said on their platform? And right now, they are not. They are not. There's a thing called Section 230 that these companies appeal to, and newspapers and other outlets are not covered by Section 230. So they are publishers and are hmm. responsible for what appears in their paper. It's kind of interesting. That's interesting then that given that it's protected, they would still do things like ban Trump from Twitter then. Mm. If they're protected legally, I mean, I get that there's a lot of social pressure to... By weird, do you mean, what do you mean by that? Like unsettling? Um, yeah. Because the, impl- the, yes. the, the inference would be, oh, yeah, because they have, the, an, I, they're ideologically driven and don't want that voice heard. Mm-hmm. And that has raised eyebrows like oh wait are you really a platform careful if you keep doing this kind of thing we're going to make you into a publisher right because you're curating content right if you're saying you're not curating content then don't curate content (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so that's that's where the current debate is i don't know how it's all going to shake out obviously Mm -hmm. but interesting what do you think is the Rubber meets the road application for the everyday person based on this conversation. What? How then should we live in light of this? these thoughts about free speech? My principle is fight bad speech with good speech. Let... Get into Facebook arguments. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, that might not be a good use of time or very effective. Yeah. But whatever you deem to be effective Yeah. Uh, and to the degree that you care about it... Um, uh, and the alternative would be to censor it. Right. And I think that is ill-advised. Less helpful. And maybe a, a note of hope. Uh, John Stuart Mill defended this idea by saying, we don't... Oh, did I write it down? What's the exact language? Oh, yeah. Uh, so ideas don't fall into the slumber of decided opinion. Hmm. There can be this sense that... he So he thought that every generation needed to have... Uh, as much free speech as possible to reinvigorate, to um, to redefend the handed down traditions of old, lest they become dogmatic, mm-hmm. doctrinaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just do it because that's how it was always done. 
and then the reasons for why the good the so suppose in the past these good ideas rose to the cream of the crop because they defeated the arguments of the bad ideas mm-hmm. well if these bad ideas are not allowed to still percolate on the perimeter then we get less of a sense of why those ideas are bad and why our good ideas were good mm-hmm. and instead this just comes ensconced doctrinaire we forget our roots yeah. our, our underpinnings so that when a new ugly head resurges of a bad idea you're ill-equipped to deal with it yeah and i almost want to say that like we're that's happening now we've forgotten the reasons for why free speech is important mm-hmm. and so we see in my opinion the bad idea of over censorship coming up and we feel just kind of like uncomfortable by it, unsettled but i don't really know like how to attack it like mm-hmm. what's the basis for why we don't allow a certain speech yep and so that i guess i suppose this podcast is <laughs> one effort toward that end of fighting that bad speech with good speech with better ideas here are reasons to think we should have as much free speech as possible besides some of these really obvious ways that it causes harm mm. yeah that's good man that's good all right that's helpful Hopefully that was helpful for you too. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you've got questions, like we said at the beginning, we've got a mailbag episode coming up. So now's your chance. Uh, write to us at mailbag at opentotruth.com or leave a comment on this video if you're watching on YouTube. Um, anything else they need to know about? I think that's it. No. All right. We'll go and speak freely and yeah. we'll see you next time. Stay curious. Stay curious.